Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. Welcome to this episode of Empower Talks, where I'm joined with Kelly Bowman, who is head of L&D at Hiscox. And in addition, the founder and owner of Olive Avocado, which is a startup organisation she's launched um, recently, which I've had the pleasure of experiencing myself, particularly um, it supports women through women's health. We're going to hear more about that today, Uh, but I'd just like to welcome you in, first of all, Kelly. Hello, hello, hello. I'm actually thrilled to be here. I've been listening to some of these on my my journeys, like to and from work, and uh, yeah, I feel honoured. To be, uh, to be on your kind of early stages of this. So thanks for having me, Sam. When I'm looking at uh, what conversations to have, I, I'm looking out for people who are doing something slightly different in their career mm-hmm. within insurance. And um, there's there's two things I think that, uh, that stand out for me with you, uh, which we'll talk about today, uh, which I think people can um, get inspiration from and learn from as well. So looking forward to uh, hearing more in detail about your career journey, because it's not something we've spoken about and um, probably uh, some of the things we talk about today we'll be hearing for the first time. So I'm excited about that. So um, let's start off with a bit of an introduction. So you currently are head of learning development and that was a bit of a transition in terms of role for you. So do you want to talk us through uh, how that role came about and what you were doing beforehand? Yeah, sure. So I think probably best to rewind to getting into insurance because I think every time I listen to people's stories as stepping into insurance it's usually that I fell into it and I think that that's probably true of me as well so I prior to his cops was working with male ex-offenders and trying to kind of get them to lead more conforming lifestyles so my background is very much coaching that's kind of what I was doing and at university I did criminology so it was kind of like a bit of a hybrid between the two and then that role was a contract and then I saw a coaching role come up at Hiscox, albeit very, very different. It was more quality based and working with kind of frontline sales teams, dealing with customers. So applied for the job, absolutely loved the company and yeah, was successful in getting the role. And it, it was it felt huge because it felt like the first time I'd stepped into the corporate world and I can't remember how old I was six and a half years ago and I'm now 30 so um yeah mum life can't remember things so I did the coaching role probably only for about a year and I've done numerous other roles in in his cock so then I moved into a team leader position again working with the sales teams and then I moved into like a deputy role for an operation and then I moved into an ops manager's role carrying quite a hefty budget, working with a lot of stakeholders, managing a lot of people. And it was, it was a tough, tough role, like it tough role. But I just learned so much about myself. I realised that I had a huge desire to support and develop people. And that's continued through into the role that I'm doing now. But also that I have this kind of ability to lend myself to anything that has people involved even if there's this huge target it's about taking people on a journey so that people feel compelled to deliver so that role taught me so so much about myself I'm so grateful that his cocks kind of took a leap of faith to to give me an ops manager role when I really didn't have you know the background in in that position before 
And then the opportunity came up for a head of learning and development role. And I'd been quite clear with Hiscox around where I wanted to progress my career. And I've always been interested in the training side of things, always, as I said, interested in people development. So when the opportunity came up, I spoke to everybody that I could in terms of making sure that I fully prepped myself for the position, made sure everybody and their dog knew (laughs) that that was what I wanted to do. And yeah, just spent a lot of time prepping for it and was successful in getting the role against internal and external candidates. And to get ahead of L&D role when not having that background per se, again, just showed how much they believed in me. And I think that's what I admire about that organisation, that they really stand by their people when they have the kind of skill sets um, or, or capability, should I say, and the desire. So yeah, bit of a whistle-stop tour, but that's kind of current day where I am now. So what I love hearing um, about your journey, the way you described it there, is how you were able to essentially identify what you like and then move into that position. And you kind of made that sound quite quite simple. Something that comes mm. up a, a fair bit when I'm, I'm speaking to people about their careers is they've identified that they're doing something they don't want to do, but they mm. can't work out what they want to do and then the direction of how to move into that. So have you got any advice for people who are trying to um, sort of drill into the bits of their role that they would want to keep and how they go about aligning that to another role, either internally mm. or externally? So really good point, Sam, and I, I see it so frequently, both in that corporate world but also outside as well family friends everybody seems to be a bit unsure around what they want to do with their career they just know that they don't necessarily want to do what they're doing now that's usually how people identify it and I think what often happens is people are looking for a role that encompasses everything that they're wanting and sometimes those roles don't exist so we're aspiring for a job title as opposed to getting really clear on what it is you're passionate about and I think one of the biggest bits of advice that I have is just identify what it is that you want from your life generally. So do you want a job that is, you know, hands-on all of the time? Do you want a work-life balance? Do you want something that is technical? Do you want something that is people-focused? And I think start to identify what your values are and what your kind of priorities are from what you're wanting to do in your career. And once you start to identify those things, I think then you can start matching them up to potential job roles. So so that my, my advice basically is stop looking for a job title and start to identify what is really passionate for you. And that might be a list of skill sets or it might just be words, um, words such as, you know, passionate or um, customer focused or, you know, all those types of things. And that's where I would begin. And that's what I did. Something, um, I, I mean, I, I've been quite fortunate to, get into something I liked quite early on in my career um, and I'm probably someone that gets overexcited about a lot of things so uh, I'm kind of, kind of happy in lots of different sort of roles and, and scenarios um, but but I kind of never had to sort of break it down and one thing I, I recommend for people when they're looking at doing that is to just sort of take stock either at the end of the week or at the end of the month and look back over your diary for that month And then look across what your highlights were and what your low points were and keep a note of that. Do it over a period of time and then try and address some themes. Um, So like you say, people quite often look at the job title or job description. But the things that we tend to enjoy are probably more about how we do the role. So if you like working on your own or with a team, if you like making decisions or giving direction, if you like 
networking or having a close connection with a handful of people so what are the sort of things that make you um sort of comfortable but equally as i say that you might be someone that enjoys being put out of your comfort zone so a role that will stretch you with that as well i couldn't agree more i think i think what i always encourage people to do is get really specific so often I think these things are quite overwhelming because you're trying to get an end product. But actually, like you say, if you could just strip it back and just get really clear on the moments that brought you joy. And and if you just start there, what are the moments that made you smile? What are the moments that kind of made you want to get out of bed that day? You know, was was Monday a better day? Because like you said, you had more networking opportunities and actually Thursday felt a bit bit rubbish because you looked at your desk and you didn't have any interaction with anybody or actually, does that really work for you? Do, you know, when you were forced to interact with people, did that put you off? And I think once you can start identifying that, it makes the landscape a little bit clearer. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, it's nice to hear success stories, especially, especially um, you know, we say you are, you're 30, which, you know, is, is already quite, a, quite an early age to have <laughs> been able to find that passion and get the success in it. So well done to you. Very good. Thank you. Um, and then uh, you've been in your role for a little while um, before you became pregnant, which is something that you have been very, I guess, transparent about on social media in terms of that journey for you and what that meant for you as a corporate career woman. So do you want to tell us a little bit about um, that journey for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I think falling pregnant itself was not something that I don't know whether concerned is the right word. It, it didn't seem to make much of a difference, you know, because it was all part of the grand plan. You know, I'm a huge planner, like to be in control. I'm sure that will come through in, in this conversation at, at points. So, you know, my husband and I had had that conversation and we were so lucky that things happened the way that, that we hoped they would. So the kind of being pregnant wasn't much of a a problem for me at all. I was pregnant during lockdown, which in itself is a very strange situation but I had nothing to compare it to so just kind of moved through that time and I think I was almost in a state of denial as to what was then to come so I knew that I was going to have to put my career on pause for a little bit I knew that I was going to be stepping out and going on maternity leave but I just didn't really put into context what that actually meant you know it's just think words that I was saying as opposed to things that I was feeling and as my maternity leave crept ever closer you know, I just didn't relinquish control. I was still really trying to do absolutely everything. But yeah, as the time got closer, I realised that, you know, for things to progress in my absence, I needed to, I don't know, hand my train set over to somebody else, if you will. So that was actually fine. You know, I really trusted the people that I was working around and I was really clear on the types of things that I thought would be useful to to progress with. And then, yeah, I I went on maternity leave at the start of August. Ophelia, my daughter, came on the 10th of August. And I definitely went on a journey, you know, a, a really, really tough journey. And I think the reason that it was a tough journey for me is because it was a huge relinquish of this control. You know, having a child, anybody that has a child knows <laughs> that control is something that you have to pass up. Because the things that you plan for and the way that you expect your day to go, nine times out of ten, doesn't go that way. So it was a steep learning curve for me. I went through quite a lot of challenges with my hormone levels, um, which leads into what I'm doing as a business now. We'll, we'll come on to that. 
but yeah, as I, I think those first few months were quite challenging. But then as I kind of crept out of that time, I started to look at things much more rationally. I knew that getting back into some form of work was going to be really great for my mental well-being. So I started to do little bits of work, started to think about a company that I wanted to set up. So it gave me a grounding over and above just being a mum. And I'm really, really candid in sharing this because being a mum in isolation for so many people is everything. And I totally, totally get that. And I totally appreciate people that feel that way. But I needed something additional. I felt like I'd lost myself in order to be Ophelia's mum. And I needed that other part of me to be the best mum that I could possibly be. And I'm so glad that I recognised that. So I set up um, a maternity network for other mums, other working mums that were, you know, feeling the same. And we had a good kind of group of people. I think it ended up being about 40 women across the UK that we connected and we just had a lot of conversations. And as I started to come out of this thick fog, interact with more people and go back to my work, I started to feel so, so much better. And I think that for me is I have to be a working mum. I have to be, you know, it's not okay for me to just be a mum. It's not okay for me now to just be a, you know, an employee. I'm a hybrid of them both and that is where I sit best. So yeah, is that is that kind of what you were, yeah, were highlighting? Yeah, yeah. so, um, and the networking um, group, I think, you know, when you shared that post on LinkedIn, that, that got shared a lot, right? So mm. it was clearly ringing true for a lot of other people, um, especially at that time where people felt quite, uh isolated in that in that journey um i think i think for me i i recognized this when i was on my first maternity leave because we are so individual in the way that we want to balance it and there really is no right right way but lots of people will almost give you those sort of messages that there is a right way so it is quite hard to to identify what's right for you now i set up my business um when uh when I was eight and a half months pregnant (laughs) I was writing my first emails um just before uh Emily arrived and it was only two and a half months before I was doing my first training courses and and it was a you know steady growth over that first year so I could balance the two but I I did feel really lonely because I had my NCT group and most of them had a year off Mm. so they weren't even thinking about work and for me, I'm starting a business and yeah. saying I can't make that coffee date because I have this meeting or because I have this course and um, and they're meeting sort of you know, at least once a week. And I'm lucky if I can turn up once a month. But at the same time, I'm happy with that. Now, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like I was meant to feel like I should be there, but I didn't. You know, I felt like I, I wanted to sort of do the bit for me but strike the balance that I felt that I was um having the time with Emily that that I I needed and wanted and um I think that's that's for me has always been a a a joy of working for yourself is that you have choice Mm. but choice doesn't necessarily mean that you spend more time at home with your kids but you have the choice of how you want to sort of run things so um yeah it's uh it's it's funny for me because I know I know what works for me, but I know outside looking in, it, it might not look like it works for others. <laughs> yeah, I th- again, I I hear that 
so much from what you're saying. I think every single person's journey is so, so different. And that's one of the big things that I've learned. It's to stop imparting my ideal on other people. Because I think our natural default as humans is to try and remedy and offer suggestions to people. But actually, as coaches, we know, you know that all we can do is facilitate a space for people to identify what's best for them. So that's why I started the podcast that I did, although that's kind of dwindling now because I feel like I done what I wanted to do with that but I wanted to put a podcast out there to let other people know how I'm feeling and if you feel this way too it's okay you know it's, it's completely common how you're feeling and if you don't feel like this then that's okay too you know everybody goes through their own experiences but I still think we've got a long way to go in terms of being really open and honest about that journey and saying that there's no ideal you know however you choose to parent or mother in this situation and what you choose to balance that with nobody gets to tell you if that's right or not you know if your child is fed waters warm all of those good things and you want to maintain you and a business and whatever else that's completely okay and go you for for doing that and and I think as time has passed I've become so much more confident in articulating that and actually unapologetic that I need time for me in order to be who I want to be, but also the mother that I want to be to my daughter. Yeah, so um, the next stage in your journey was uh, the launch of Olive Avocado and um, I guess identifying that need and, and doing that research yourself that kind of opened up this area for you. So do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. So Olive Avocado has come from my own experiences with my hormones and um, my menstrual cycle. So again, I've got really confident in talking about this because I think early stages, talking about things like the menstrual cycle in an open dialogue, it's just alien. It's something that we just don't do, yet it affects nearly 50% of the population and impacts others as well. So yeah, I have had challenges with my hormones throughout my whole life and that was exacerbated after having Ophelia. So once you have a child, uh, there's something that's called baby blues and it impacts nine out of 10 women and nobody really talks about this, but it's where your hormone levels are starting to balance out again Um, and some hormones are higher than others and effectively it can have real impacts on how you think, feel, act. So I did loads of research on this and loads of research generally to understand that every single day women are impacted by their hormones so I know Sam you do a lot of work on things like imposter syndrome and actually at certain points in the month that becomes ever more prevalent because of where we're at with things and I just thought there just isn't enough information out there for women to understand this you know we we go about our daily lives expecting a certain standard of ourselves each and every day And sometimes we're smashing it and other times we're really just not or we feel as though we're not. And there's reasons for that. And what I wanted to give women is that awareness to say, do you know what? It's not realistic to expect the same thing of yourself continuously. So here's here's the science. Here's the, the data. Here's the information. And here's what you can do with that. And Yes, yeah, so I started the, the company to raise that awareness and now it's moving into um, other modules and just women's well-being more generally. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be pursuing something that A, I'm passionate about and B, there's a real need for. We are still miles away from where we need to get to with this stuff, but I feel like I'm steadily 
making a dent in something that just needs to be out there. Yeah, and I, I say I attended your um, your first program um, with this, and uh, I got a lot from it. The, the main thing that is still there for me is this this kind of highs and lows of energy. So there's mm. a certain time in the month where I'm like, I can do that, and I can do that, and I'll do that as well. Yeah, we can do all of that at the same time. But what I then do is put all this stuff in my diary when I'm feeling like that. And then a few weeks later, I'm feeling, let's say, a little bit a little bit on a lower level um, compared. And I've got all this stuff that I've set up in my diary, almost as though I was a different person at the time. And because it's in my diary, I've got to do it. But it's exhausting to, to do it at that time. So it's, um, it's given me a lot more awareness. So now I tend to, when I'm feeling like that, either plan it in there and then, for there and then, or for four weeks ahead. So yeah. I need to be in the same kind of mood. And and I think that's something that um, has really helped me in terms of, I guess, the, my my mind. So some one of my mind traps, I'm, I'm a should person. So I have the mind trap of should be doing that. Should should have done that already. You know, should should have done better there. There's, there's always more that I expect of myself, um, which... You know, it has its pluses. It means that I do push myself. I do go out of my comfort zone, and and I do do a lot, but it's never enough. I, I have a whiteboard um on my on my um, desk next to me where I write down all these things that I can do uh, one day, and then try and tick them all off like bit by bit and get there. Um, but a lot of these ideas will come from points where I'm feeling like I can take on the whole world, but I'm not like that all the time. I'm only like that usually one week out of four. And, and that's not enough time to do it. So I think um, that gives me a lot more, I guess, it's given me more sort of credit to myself when I'm not doing things at the same pace. Um, and also, like, I'm able to take make the most out of that time. So I think I'm, I can structure myself a lot more around it. So anyone who's listening that kind of thinks that that might be something that um, comes comes into your mind. Uh, we will put Kelly's details in the show notes so you can get in touch with her and find out more about this for you. Uh, but what I really want to focus on in this conversation is what this is doing for you. So essentially you now have a, a side hustle, um, <laughs> which uh, is a term we don't get to probably use much in the world of insurance. So I'm going to make the most out of it <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, so your side hustle essentially um, is there to complement what you're doing in your role. Um, but it, it's a very different journey when you create a startup, when you are coming in as a business owner and thinking about everything rather than being a subject matter expert within a large corporate. So how are you mm. finding that as a, um, a as an opportunity and, and um, uh, I guess, um, a vision for you? What, what is it that you're uh, learning from it? Yeah, I think I, again, this is the control thing. I think starting it alongside working for a corporate and having the security of of being there and you know getting paid on a monthly basis and doing something that I feel I'm really good at doing is great for me because it gives me that security that whatever I choose to do with olive avocado I can I can do it at a pace that works for me and there's no pressure to be at 100 miles an hour within x amount of time because actually building it steadily is where I want to go so I, I am so grateful that I'm in a position where I can pursue this side hustle whilst having something you know full-time part-time however you want to brand it that that is my kind of corporate job 
not that that's easy, you know, trying to find time to do the work for Olive Avocado, trying to build that network is, is tough because you can't put all of your time, effort and energy into it. So it's it comes with its compromises. But I think what what doing this is allowing me to identify is, again, what I'm really passionate about. And I think I have long-term plans for where I want to take Olive Avocado. That doesn't mean that I'm leaving his cocks in one year, two years. I'm not clear on that. But what it's given me is that extra oomph in times where I'm maybe not feeling so oomph about other things in life. And I think that's what's great about Side Hustle is it's a way to exert all of your passions in one place. And if you can do it without the pressure of it being a full-time business in those early stages, then I would highly, highly recommend it. Particularly if you're somebody like me who security is one of your big values. And how are you You kind of finding it starting from scratch? So even in the journey, the conversations we've had sort of from from idea to, to where you are now, you've gone through some huge, huge milestones of, of um, certainly firsts in terms of first program, first podcast um, and uh, branding uh, and sort of just the marketing, the media piece. So, so um, what are you kind of discovering through that process? That, that it's relentless, that it's absolutely relentless. You know, it, it is tough. I think that there's this kind of, I don't know, this this view that having your own business is super sexy and, you know, you can do what you want. You can sip a, sip a pina colada on a beach whilst you um, reply to emails. And I'm sure that that is a reality for many people. But the, the hard work and the graft behind the scenes to even get to a place where, you know, you're generating any form of income is tough and I think the recognition that you need to invest time and money to a certain extent in order to get that return like you're not going to get results instantaneously nor are you going to get results unless you're putting out a high quality product that is interesting for people that the market actually wants so the relentlessness for me is the big standout because nobody else is going to sell these courses nobody else is going to you know shout about my work unless I do a blooming good job and the people that have attended the course want to recommend it to other people, you know, word of mouth. So it's it's tough, Sam, and you'll know this more than anybody, having done it yourself and in that situation, you can't rest on your laurels. Like once you build a bit of a a, a, a model of something in one place, you need to step onto the next thing. You need to constantly move forward in order a not to stagnate and and b not to become irrelevant because as soon as you stop posting something or as soon as you don't put your brand out there guess what it goes quiet and guess what people are interested they are they aren't necessarily going to come looking for you you know i'm i'm not an apple people don't don't just go and do it so i think it's building that up from the start and realizing that there's a lot of time and effort that needs to go into doing that and I think also for me, something that I've I've been picking up is just how many different things you have to know a bit about. Mm-hmm. So in my previous roles, I was in HR before I was in L&D and my degree was in HR, my experience was in HR. And that was kind of my, my happy space. I knew what I was doing there. And if something came out that I didn't really know much about, I would pick up the phone to IT or marketing or something like that. Um, and then all of a sudden when you're, when you're on your own, you are on your own. <laughs> Google is my best friend. <laughs> so yeah. how do I, what do I need to do? But um, but I think it's brilliant really for um, for the amount of, 
I guess like general business awareness that, that I now have, like I did a HR degree. So I had a business background, but not operational kind of stuff. It was very, you know, much strategic and theory. Whereas now, you know, the understanding I've got on um, things, things like um, IT applications, implementing them, processes, pilots, marketing, branding, um, accounting, taxes. So you kind of learn a little bit about about everything and um and I imagine you're kind of going through that that journey yourself um and what I kind of I kind of feel like maybe a thing for you which I haven't had to like got the opportunity to experience because I'm not not in my old job anymore is that if I had this knowledge when I was doing that role I think that would have made me a lot more empathetic so probably different areas of the business understanding what they were doing their challenges and the type of things they're learning so if you kind of had any um scenarios where you think oh actually I know a bit about this now <laughs> yeah, you realize how resourceful you actually are and you realize potentially I don't think lazy is the right word because that's just not right but I think sometimes you immediately decide you're not you're not an expert in something so then you will kind of hand that off to somebody else and I think sometimes that's where our learning depletes because we think well we're not going to we won't put our hand to that because we know that there's somebody else in the business that can do that more effectively. Whereas when you put your own business, there isn't anybody else. So you kind of, you have to learn how to build something from scratch and, you know, all the things that you just mentioned. So I, I don't know whether it's made me more empathic to other business areas. Maybe I'm just not that type of person, Sam. Um, but perhaps what it has definitely done for me is personally, it's allowed me to take things less personally personally less personally um and I what I mean by that is thinking about my role in Hiscox and the fact that I'm really passionate about learning and development not everybody is like that's just a fact not everybody is hugely invested in their career sometimes people just want to come to work and do the job that they're paid to do and that's their call right we I'm not going to bend people's arm to go out there and learn things but before I would take that really personally and think why are you not replying to my email yeah you know um I'm putting this really good course on and you're not responding what um and then I think through starting my own business I realized that you're not everybody's you know your niche isn't to everybody's taste and you see people look at things on Instagram and you think why are you not engaging why are you not doing this and I think well what type of customer am I do I engage in absolutely everything? Or sometimes do I just like to look and I'll engage when it feels right to do so. So I've to survive building your own business, I think you have to realise that sometimes your products work for people and other times they won't. And the quicker you learn that and the quicker you learn to take things less personally, I think the more resilient you are in building your own business. And I've applied that internally to Hiscox that everything I do isn't going to be to everybody's taste. And as long as I sing to the priorities of the organisation and as long as I'm moving in that general direction and I'm there when people want to access it, I can't expect everybody to want to do the same things at the same time. And that's completely okay because we're all human and we all have decisions that we get to make. I really like that. Yeah, no, mm. I, I can um, relate to a lot of that that you were saying Um you know now as well as in previous roles I think um we often we often expect everyone to think the same way that we do um so I often talk about how we are told to treat others how we want to be treated but it's oh, 
doesn't work because that just assumes that everyone's the same as us and actually we've all got different ways of, of looking at things and and exactly that you know where you're really passionate about putting on a particular course or helping someone with something that might not be their priority right now and it might not ever be their priority for that topic and, and we just assume that everyone's going to look at it in the same way that we do yeah I like that it's, it's one of the biggest learnings that I have taken is that um you are not responsible for how anybody else thinks or feels actually it's all about them but but that means that not everybody gets to like you not everybody like gets to like everything that you do and I think once you get really comfortable with that it's amazing how much more confidence you have because those little things don't knock you you just step back and think that's just that's just how life is sometimes but um I'm not saying that's easy by the way but again I think parenting is amazing for that because you just don't have the time to worry <laughs> <laughs> excellent oh, I like that as well mm-hmm. um okay so what we end these podcasts with, as you've been listening to them, you'll probably be expecting this question, um, is a piece of advice that you've um, you've got, either someone's given you, you've picked up yourself, that will help other people in their careers. So almost like your top piece of advice for listeners. Oh, yeah, I have, I have listened to this, but I didn't want to script it because I thought I'd rather just come and, and see how the conversation goes. I guess my one bit of advice for people is if you're clear on where you want to get to, keep pursuing that. I knew that I wanted to be that person that stood at the front of a room talking about topics with my little clicker pen and giving out highlighters to people and all of that kind of good stuff. And I just kept manifesting that and putting the effort in speaking to the right people. So don't be knocked if you don't achieve the first thing. I've applied for numerous jobs in Hiscox that I didn't get. Um, and this journey has taken longer than perhaps I initially thought it would. But stick at it. Like if you know that you're really passionate and that's where you want to pursue your career, the knockbacks are actually hugely valuable because that person's maybe identified this isn't the right time and you need to go and do a bit more learning in this area. And that's just been huge for me. Absolutely huge to say you don't need to succeed in everything. And actually, if you go in with that mindset that everything you do comes with a 50% chance of failure, if we lean into that mentality, you actually are okay with whatever result you're given because you go away and take it as a, an opportunity to build from it. So, so that is my advice to people. Just don't be afraid of not being successful in something. Don't be afraid of failure. Yes, it's got us to the place that we are now. We've survived as a species being that way. But actually, it's really okay to fail. And whatever emotion comes with that is okay to feel as well. Love that. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kelly. And we'll put the details um, for Olive Avocado, your podcast, and also your LinkedIn page in the show notes as well, so people can connect with you afterwards. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for, uh, for chatting to me. Love it.